So um, I went up to him and I said, Everett champion of the world. My dad said, he just walked through the bleeding door. I said, Dad, there's something about that kid. It's Bench Hill, it's Rivenshaw, it's the gym where Tyson Fury first started the box. Now, we'll talk to the man that first saw him when he came through the door. That man's called Steve Egan. And I'll be joined by someone who's been inspired by Tyson Fury over the last six or seven years. Molly McCann, yes, Molly McCann, the UFC fighter. What a mix. It's raining, it's South Manchester. You couldn't invent that cocktail. <laughs> So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury third fight, but we can't look at that fight unless we look back at what happened at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium just recently. Steve, I'm going to ask you straight away, will the Anthony Joshua loss have affected in any way Tyson Fury's mindset going into this rematch? No, I don't think so. I mean, I spoke to him after, well, I texted him after it, you know what I mean? And he's saying like, it's bad news for the for the big fight for him, but um, I don't think it'll take away from the performance. Molly, what about you? What do, what do you think? Because it's you've got that massive fight, and I know you. I know you say I'm not looking past this fight, but a fight that big, a game changer, you have to be looking at it, don't you? Well, I just think from the beginning he always knew he was going to beat Joshua. Do you know what I mean? He's always said so. It's like it's it's no different, really. Do you know what I mean? He's probably just took a bit more confidence in it. And he's just going to, like you say, he's not going to look past his opponent. He's got a job to do. He'll do the job. And then if he wants to, we can have a little go with Anthony. He's just seen the blueprint on how to beat him there. And I think he would have always beat him in the first instance anyway. And what about Ruiz and Joshua rematch? Did you think that Joshua could win the rematch? I think Ruiz beat himself yeah. in the rematch. With the fridge. To be honest. The yeah, the fridge. That's fair comment. The fridge is. <laughs> Um, but I did think I did think um, Josh looked frightened to death against Ruiz. Yeah. Very timid and you know trying to box a bit, but he looked lost a bit of confidence. Yeah, yeah. Even though they said it is you know the new Joshua and all that, I thought he looked on edge all the time. After the first fight between Wilder and Fury, did you think that Tyson could do what he did in the second fight and walk through him? I didn't think he would. I, I thought he could. You know what I mean? And I think the last round of the first fight, Tyson learned a lesson there. He knew that if he backed him up, he didn't know what to do. He's that used to having it in his own way, coming forward, stepping in with his power. You know, and uh, when he backed him up, it was a different story. So he just put it on him, didn't he? It's an interesting point that Steve makes there, Molly, about that, that in that 12th round, that once he gets up from the knockdown, that amazing knockdown, that resurrection, did you think he could do what he did? And secondly, it's an interesting part, would you have ever advised him to do what he did? No, I wouldn't, but he's just, his mindset was next level, and he just got up and he showed us all that he was just a different animal. And and then when he went into the second fight and absolutely levered him, I, I like, we all wanted it to happen and we were praying that it happened, you know what I mean? But I, I like, I weren't too sure what was going to happen, to be honest. But he got caught in the, in the second fight. This is what people yeah. overlook. In yeah. that second fight, he gets... You know, I was ringside. I'm not bragging, I was ringside. But when he get, In that fir the first and second round, he gets cracked with a couple of pop of right hands, yeah. which he admits that really hurt him. So it wasn't just that he had the plan to walk through Wilder. He actually had to, you know, push over, cross a line, and it was dangerous to do what he yeah, did. Yeah, you take him. a shot and then walk into the next one, you know, you're always risking it, aren't you, going forward? But... It paid off, didn't it? One problem with the fight, one problem for me, is it's just a bit too early for 
for there to be 20,000 Brits in Las Vegas taking over the city. And that won't affect him, will it? Definitely not, definitely not. It is a shame, the pandemic, it is what it is, do you know what I mean? But it would be amazing to hear all the, the Brits singing for him, but he's Tyson Fury, he'll have all the young singing for him anyway. You've got some of that coming up next year, hopefully, Molly. I've had two fights behind closed doors and it was horrible. Honest to God, I hated it. I was in um, Vegas for one and Abu Dhabi and Fight Island for one. And I just, I like to fight for the crowd. And I know he's exactly the same, he's a showman and you, you fight for that. And when the chips are down sometimes and you hear them shouting for you, it gives you, it's like the 12th man in football, it gives you that little bit more. But I said I'd never fight again without fans and I was lucky enough we, we only had 150 but every single one of them was screaming meatball. So why are you called meatball? I didn't get a student loan when I went to university so I had to pay my way through through school as you would say and I'd do the night shifts at Subway and then I'd go to uh, the gym in the morning and I'd smell like herb and cheese bread or <laughs> meatballs and then I'd go to uni and my coach Paul went one day meatball molly. But it stuck? But it gets you going, honestly. Like I said, I broke my hands in the first round of my last fight about three weeks ago. And um, and I just heard them shouting and I thought, oh, I've got to put a finish on for these. Like, it means the world to you, do you know what I mean? I take Molly's point, and I think she's absolutely right, that the, the idea that he loves that crowd. Oh, when yeah, when course, he came yeah. out last year and he was singing, you know, Patsy Klein, crazy. I mean, he was standing up there, belting it out. I mean, it was just he is a showman. Yeah, he is a showman. And maybe it will affect him slightly, you know. He just love it, but he'll get the job done, I think. Well, he's mentally strong, as you know, so he'll get it done. But yeah, it's a shame. And what about the switcher trainer getting rid of Mark Breland, you know, the brains trust, Olympic champion, world champion, nice guy, decent guy, and bringing in Malik Scott. And I just want to ask the pair of you this because I find it odd. Malik Scott was knocked out in I think 96 seconds by Deontay Wilder. Could you? be coached by someone you'd got rid of in 96 seconds a couple of years earlier. What's your gut feeling? I'm, I'm looking for a bit of Scouse truth here. For the narrative, for what you're saying, probably not. But personally, if, if they've got the knowledge, yeah. then I'm going to listen to it, do you know what I mean? And if, if he really does have the knowledge, and then maybe so, but probably... It's a tough one, isn't it? You'd be like, oh, I think I'm better than you, so... I don't know if he's going to respect him as much as what he should. My fear, my fear, excuse me, isn't the respect going in, isn't the respect in training camp, it's the respect in, in the corner, when in theory that guy, Malik Scott, might have to make a call that goes against what you're thinking. Yeah, I don't think Wilder's got that kind of... that IQ and the... What's the word? I don't think he can overcome that adversity in the fight. I just think... Uh, Fury's just a much better boxer, and I just think... Um, Wilder's a fighter and he's a bit wild, isn't he? And I just don't think he can make them minute adjustments whilst he's in there. Well, he'll, he'll certainly have to. What, one of the parting shots from Mark Breland before he sailed off into the sunset was he said that, he, in his opinion, Deontay Wilder was untrainable. Is there such a thing as an untrainable fighter? Yeah, someone who won't listen to you, yeah. If they won't listen. If they don't listen to you, get out. I do it all the time, eh? You know what I mean? If you don't like it, he has a door. <laughs> he wouldn't last in the North And I think like, maybe getting Malik, he's got, yeah. a, he he's got a yes man. Yeah. He can do what he wants, which yeah. doesn't bode good for a good fight, does it? But that's, that's, that, that's, that's one of boxing's flaws in some ways, that boxers end up surrounding themselves with yes men 
And I, 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 I don't know, is that, is that a problem in UFC, having yes people around you? No, because there's so many ways in which you can lose, so you get humbled every single day. Whereas in boxing, you can be the big fish in a little pond, and I think he loves to be that. I don't think he likes to put himself out of his comfort zone, but no growth comes from, from that, do you know what I mean? So we've talked a little bit about Wilder, what he can do, can't do, and whether he can actually do what we're asking him to do. What about Tyson? Because I think it's fair to say it's not been ideal preparation. No, you know, there hasn't no, been the not. long 10, 12 week camp. There he was in Alderhay Hospital, um, where the bait where his latest daughter was rushed when she was born premature. He spent an awful lot of time in the hospital. His wife was sleeping next to the baby and he was in an adjoining house where Gypsy Johnny's father stayed with him quite a lot. That wasn't great preparation, Steve. Let, let's be honest here. That was awful preparation. Yeah, emotional drains you, doesn't it? So it probably to. took a lot out of him. You know what I mean? But um, he's strong-minded. Look what he's done. Look what he's come back from. You know what I mean? So I think... A few weeks focus, he'll probably get it back. What you've got to remember as well this time, he's not got to get weight off. All he's got to do is get his focus and get his sharpness and his game plan. He's not trying to get weight off this time, so I think he should be okay. I think it might give him like a little bit more of a push. Like he's got a reason to fight. Do you know what I mean? He's trying to do the baby proud and and that kind of thing. Let me ask you this: Had they fought last July, what would have been your gut feeling if we if I'd have been talking to you? I still a week think it would have been the same, Steve. I just yeah. think he would have been. Riding the crest of the wave, his, his mindset is the strongest thing, but he would have just been going off confidence and he, I think he probably would have finished them quicker. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm going with says. Molly. I think it would have been easier. Could have been three, four rounds. Yeah. I mean, but maybe now it might go longer, you know. I'm convinced that we'll see, I'm not necessarily a Wilder that can beat Tyson, but I think, I think we'll see a different Wilder, a more focused Wilder. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got everything to lose now, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, it's, you know, it, if he didn't come back from this, he's a forgotten man, really, isn't he? Yeah. So he's got to prove everything. And if he did turn it on Wilder, we'd have a full fight. I'd still pay to watch it, like, wouldn't you? You'd still pay to watch it, would to watch it, yeah. Tyson talked after the second fight about knowing from the first round when it looked like Wilder looked confused. I mean, he just didn't... He, he, was, look, he was looking it. at the corner, he was looking outside, he was, he was basically looking for help. He, he panicked, he had no idea this was coming. So with that in mind... And the big break, the long break, and the two cancelled fights, one in July of last year and one in July of this year. What can Wilder do to turn it around? And have you seen anything in some of the small little videos that have been posted to suggest he can turn it around, Steve? No, I've not seen anything, but it's a mindset thing, isn't it? He's got to go in with a mindset that he can do it. That still makes him dangerous, then? Oh, sir. Biggest weight punching, isn't it? That backhand. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, even the left hook, wasn't it? It's had some great left hook, doesn't it, as well? So, um, either hand he can punch, but yeah, it's a backhand mostly. You can't write someone off that's got that. That's got, that's got that power. Yeah. I think when you've been finished by someone, the mental state that when you go into a fight is just much different. And I just think he's going to think he can be Fury, but I think that the doubt's going to creep into his head. I really do. I just think that Tyson, he's going to have to impose his will straight from the off like he did in the first fight, but I just don't think he's got it in him this time. What are, what are Tyson's flaws, Steve? You know, you, you've seen it better than most. What are his flaws? Being too relaxed, being too confident, you know what I mean? Thinking it's, I'm strolling this and, and getting caught. Being caught by Steve Cunningham, small yeah. guy. 
you know, put speeds, everything in it, and you know, just switching off mentally a little minute, bang, only takes one, doesn't it? It's everywhere. a bit of complacency. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think he will, but I have texted him and told him not to underestimate him. And, you know, and text back saying, I won't, you know, it's weight boxing, so. But that can happen, Molly. I mean, you know, with the best of athletes, the most professional of athletes, you can just, if you don't take your eye off the prize, there's something inside you that almost takes the eye off the prize. Can you, you understand what I mean? Yeah, sometimes you just, when you know you've won, and he's absolutely smashed them to bits before. He might just think, like you say, it's easy work, but that's when Deontay's, like, if Deontay, Deontay gets going and he's on the front foot, that's when he's the most dangerous, isn't he? So he needs to make sure that um, Deontay's dancing to the beat of his drum. He did a sparring session once with Daniel Dubois, and uh, Daniel Dubois had about three fights, and he you know, had a bit of following, he could bang a little bit, Daniel, and he's a, he's a big old lump. And Tyson tells the story, tells it really well. He'd been out, he'd been out he'd on the bevies, to use one of your favourite expressions. Um, so he'd been on the bevies in the right session. And he goes to the gym the next day and he can't find a gum shield. So he hasn't got his gum shield on him, so he finds a gum shield. He has somehow overnight, I don't know if he's ended up sleeping in the gym. This is a true story. He lost his trainer. So he actually does this sparring session with Dan du Daniel Dubois with only one trainer on and someone else's gum shield. And I think he takes his top off and he's about four stone overweight. But he did it because he just, just wanted to get a feel for it. He was in the gym, just wanted to get a feel for it. And I always think about that Joshua session of being a bit like that. He's coming to London and they literally have a pit stop at Finchley and he <laughs> just takes his strips off, still in his jeans and has a sparring session. He's just game, isn't he? He is. He's a, you know what John says about him? He says he's a unicorn in the boxing business. Is that fair comment? One-off, yeah. Or oh, one-off. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's a freak, he's got everything. Right. Power, speed, agility. No, he's perfect, perfect everyweight, really. I know he's not body beautiful, but it's not about that, is it? No. 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 Josh is body beautiful, but it's far from the best. I've seen him when, he, when he's weighed in, when he's been at his lightest or lighter than other times. And, and you know, I'm, it, it, trust me, he's not got six-pack silly, but he's in great nick. He's got enough definition there. He trains hard. He does, doesn't he? He does, he does. He always has. He loves it, loves the graft, always has. You can't ask for more than that with your boxer. Steve, listen, we're in, we're in this gym. Part of the reason we're in this gym, of course, this is through that door when Tyson first walked into the gym. How old was he? I mean, was he a boy? Was he, was he, did he look like a man or did he look like a boy? Or did he look like a gazelle? Did he look like a giraffe? What did, like he, an, what yeah, did he look gazelle, like? A gazelle, a giraffe, yeah, you're right. Um, he was 14, six foot four and 14 stone. He didn't look that heavy because he was just big. He come through the door and I was seeing him, thought, Jesus. You know what I mean? And he went down the bag, down the end, and I was watching him for about half a minute or something. I thought, that's me, we got him, you know what I mean? So um, I went up to him and I said, heavyweight champ of the world. My dad said, he just walked through the bleeding door. I said, Dad, there's something about that kid. Well, straight away that same yeah. night you said Yeah, to but when dad. he's coached good kids in the past, you know, I've been coaching 20 years before Tyson walked through the door. Yeah, yeah, good point. So, you know, I've had experience with good lads. So, you know, when you coach good kids and you see someone straight away walk in, you think, you know, what could I do with him? You know what I mean? I went over and asked his name. He said, oh, what's your name, lad? He said, Tyson. I thought, yeah, OK, walked off. <laughs> well, he's having me on. You know what I mean? I went up a bit later on. I said, oh, what's your second name? He said, Fury. I walked off thinking, oh my God, you know what I mean? What a name, don't need a nickname, does it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he was just special, straight away could see. He was gangly, he weren't, there was just something, I don't know what, you know what I mean? I just spotted it and thought, wow. Was he a listener, Steve? Loved it, oh, loved, okay. loved the hard work and always listened, always. Loved boxing, you know what I mean? 
He's got his eyes set on 2008, the Olympics in yeah. Beijing. But of course, the main man at that time is the Commonwealth Games champion, Price, yeah. Dave, David Price. Pricey, who had, I think, four stoppages to win the Commonwealth Games. He was hitting people, knocking people out for fun, Pricey. Yeah. And they actually fight then. So, so bizarrely, not a mile and a half from where we are. Is that, is that yeah, fair? It's about, yeah, mile and a half. That must have been an amazing atmosphere. Massive, mate. There was 300 locked out. Wow. 300 locked out. Coaches come from Liverpool for Pricey because they'd always give it that because I always said to Alan Lynch... Um, Should be in always give it that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean? The banter, you know, <laughs> Pricey will merge with him. I said, no, we won't. You know what I mean? Between the, the, the scouts, coaches and me and... You know, and uh, Anyway, they just all come over in coaches and loads got locked out and it kicked off outside, he heard and whatever. But inside, uh, one thing, Tyson um, got beat on points. It was closer than I thought it was, you know what I mean, than the scoring was. Tyson dropped him in his second and they said it was a slip, but it wasn't. He caught him here with a right hand. They put it on early because it was so, the needle between them all. It was yeah. super everywhere. It should have been on like 12th. It was on 4th or 5th, I think. Wow. Because um, he knew it was going to kick off. So... Uh, one of the officials said, um, Tyson, after like, you know, he gets beat, like, and, and Tyson claps him, holds his hands up and all that lot. And, and she said, he just prevented a right there. What a lovely man. shaking his hand. Yeah, he just prevented a right there, holding his hand up and clapping him. So, it you know, shows you what Tyson's about. And Pricey told me um, that Tyson came straight in afterwards. He said he was a bit shocked. He came straight in afterwards and was brilliant. And they, bizarrely, these two, I know they've had a bit of banter over the years, but they've got a real friendship. When Tyson's baby was uh, in Alderhey, you know, whatever it was, six or so weeks ago, he was out running with, with David Pricey, him and Big John were out running. It was mad, because I was, like, literally looking at my phone, like, is that Alderhey? Is, <laughs> is he really there? Like, we couldn't believe he was all... Like, it was boss, though, just to see him, like, keeping it real, proper Rocky style, like... He was Rocky style, no, you see him when he's the, running and the people... The estate round there is, like, a little bit rough, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, it's like... Yeah, he was just giving it, and everyone, all the kids was following him, it was on everyone's Snapchat and Instagram, it was literally like running through the streets of Philadelphia. Inside this community you've got here, this, as this boxing gym is in the middle of a community, let's get it right, we're not on the outskirts of town in an industrial unit or above a, you know, above a fast food restaurant, we're in the middle of a community. Are there people that look up to him, not necessarily, not just for his boxing, but for all of the work, work and awareness he's done in the mental health area? Yeah, of course, they all love him round here, you know what I mean? Because he's, he's from this gym, he's from the estate, he just lives up the road. You know, um, what can you say? He's a great a role model, hero. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, a good role model to all the kids. Has he been a, has he been a role model to you, Molly? Because without going into it too much, you, you've, you've had some setbacks over the years, haven't you, in, in your life, and you've faced a few demons and you've had to deal with them. Has, has he been a person that you've... You know, you've looked at and you've studied 100%, and you've read. 100%. I remember watching him on Joe Rogan. Have you seen that podcast? It was like an hour and a half long. And I always remember when he kind of went off the rails and then he came back on Instagram and he was really big and he was like, he was doing his runs and he was starting again. It's like anyone is capable of coming back. Like anyone can do it. And like he said, when he took that knockdown and he got back up, he's like, I like, you just got to keep going. You've just got to keep trying. A lot of people, I think, like a lot of people, lost faith in him, and then when he came back and he and he, he turned it on, and he absolutely changed his life. I think he won. He won the heart of the nation back. Do you know what I mean? And that was probably the best thing. And like we say, culturally and mental health, sometimes you can like people don't talk about it, especially men. And he was like, he was man enough to talk about Come it and, and be open us. about it. And I think that did change, like 
men do like to speak about it now. How do you think right now we're, Tyson Fury will be recognised and looked at in five and ten years as a heavyweight? I think he's going down as the best, the best we've ever produced, if I'm being honest. I think he will absolutely put a clinic on against Joshua if he fights him. And I still think he beats Usyk. And when he does that, because he will probably do that, yeah. he will be the best. He, he used to say, I'm the man who beat the man who beat the man who beat the man, isn't he? So He liked that route, didn't he? He loved it, didn't he? And I think we all did. Oh, sure, we all did. Let's end the loving, let's give predictions. What happens in, La in Las Vegas, October the 9th, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, third fight, WBC belt on the line, forget that. It's all about, well, it's all about, is it revenge? Is it a continuation? What is it? How's it end? I told you this on Monday, Tyson does it in six. Yeah, you did. You were very specific. I, was, I said he's going to do him in six. Steve? Yeah, Tyson definitely wins, but um, it might maybe go to eight or nine. I don't think he'll go to all the way. No, I, he's I definitely really finishing, I think. I think he'll punch yourself out while they're being frustrated. Yeah. Now, be. I'd like to say, Steve, are you going to have a bet on that? But you're <laughs> probably not, because in all fairness, Steve, and if you thought I wasn't going to bring it up, I am going to bring it up. <laughs> Oh, you know the story about him and the bet. Tell us about, tell us about the bet you didn't have. Right, so he comes in at 14. He couldn't fight for two years. He was too big, couldn't match him. So his first fight was just 16. So he wins two fights. And I'm telling all the coaches, everyone, scouts, coaches, everywhere it was, everywhere champion the world, like, yeah, yeah, OK, you know what I mean? Um, so I thought, I'll go to the bookies and see if they give us odds on it. So I went to the bookies. Said, Can I put a bet on? Got this lad, blah, blah, Tyson Fury. I mean, you can't just do that, mate. Yeah, I ring this number. So I went home, rung the number. Uh, we'll ring you back tomorrow. So they rung me back. Um, to be heavyweight champion of the world, 250 to 1. And I thought, what? I felt insulted. I thought it'd be like 1,000 to 1 or something. So I didn't put a penny on it. When he was 16, didn't put a penny on. I should have scraped whatever he had together and put it on a note because I truly believed he'd be heavyweight champion of the world from day one. And there are stories of other people putting a thousand pounds on and a hundred pounds on. There's loads of there's, there's all this. All on Tyson. Oh yeah, about that. So may, maybe word got out after you let that know because you know, Gypsy John tell, Johnny tells you, oh I know him. He did it. He put a hundred pound on. He put a thousand. There's loads of people. So you set the ball in motion and you didn't do the best. I told everyone what he's going to be and didn't do the best. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you tell Angela that's your wife? Did you tell Angela you did I think everyone knows what, what a fool I was by not. But I don't bet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if it was a betting man, I probably would. You know what I mean? But shame, I wish you had now. Well, if I could scrape a grand ticket, I'd be laughing, wouldn't I? <laughs> Little holiday I mean, for you, mate. Working. Little holiday. You might... <laughs> Decent, very good holiday. All right, wouldn't be going to real with that, new would car. <laughs> That's where we used to go as kids, <laughs> real. <laughs> no more real caravan park, no, no more butlings in real. Yeah. Steve, listen, it's been a pleasure and a delight having you. No worries, Thanks, Steve. For Molly always is a pleasure and a delight. Right, I said, I want to knock out in this fight. I don't want to box, I want to go knock him out. Yeah. And he, he laughed and he said, well, so do I want to knock him out too. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a massive fan of you all my life, right? Yeah, cheers, it makes when me blush, in, man. When I was in primary school, yeah. I, read, I read the book that you did, that first yeah. book I read about you. I remember meeting you and your dad at Milton Keynes. 
and your dad is talking, bouncing off one another and whatever. And I said, you've got to be strong like a gorilla. You've got to be very, very powerful. And there you are, knight in stone, very, very skillful. Yeah. And done very, very well yourself, man. Yeah. So you should be yeah. proud of yourself, you know what I mean? Come on, thank you. So this gym is amazing. It's just built for you? Yeah, yeah, I built yeah. this gym about, uh, I'd say, six months ago now. Right. Got it all done in about a week. Yeah. So it was a rush job. Did Spencer help you or did he just make the tea? Yeah, Spencer made the tea <laughs> and he, uh, he helped out a little bit, carried uh, all the bit heavy stuff in, okay. you know what it's like. And the bag that came down as well, yeah? Beautiful yeah. heavy bag. How much stone is that, would you say? Uh, that, that's about 19 and a half stone. Whoa. Yeah, I used a bag like that over in America while I was over there yeah. for the last couple of camps. Crunk gym. Yeah. Wicked. It's a nice vibe, man, around here as well, very quiet. So what are you going to do with all that? Well. Before all this lockdown started, yeah. I was opening a Tyson Fury Foundation for okay, like local kids because I came from a, an amateur boxing club right. and without that amateur sports, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. So I wanted to give back to the local community, so I bought this facility. And the football club as well, the grounds you bought? Yeah, yeah, all the, all the training facilities outside. Yeah. So we'll Wicked. be doing like football, rugby, yeah. whatever, whatever field sports there is. Just give a little bit back, uh, Frank, yeah. and give a child an opportunity to do something they might not have had. Is this a trouble sort of that area? Yeah, there's, there's young kids, naughty kids and that. Hmm. I suppose they're everywhere, really, aren't they? Yeah, naughty kids, yeah. I think the boxing <laughs> is definitely a good thing for Way children. Out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it, it teaches them respect. Yeah, that's what a lot of them need, a lot of, a lot of respect. I've got six kids and all of them are going to go to the is gym. Is that the guys that was running the ring with you the other day all punching you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah sweet yeah. little kids, yeah. Yeah, and they're going to all box because it, even if they don't want to be boxers or nothing, yeah. it teaches them respect Manus, for life. Yeah, yeah for sure. In boxing, you've got to focus on what you've got to do. Mind, body and soul, but, you know what I mean, channel vision and whatever you're doing. You 100%. can't mess around. You know what I mean? It's a very serious game. Blink your eyes and your backside could be on the floor. Yeah. You know? I, I thought a guy called Jabbo coming in and knocked me out in the first round. And every time I think of that name, I think I need to go and see the doctor to get some more counselling. Because he hit me on the temple and I didn't know where I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I remembered it like it was yesterday. So that was my toughest fight against... Um, Jumbo Cummings. Jumbo Cummings. One punch on the temple. Yeah. Mm. Like I say, they're all pretty tough fights. They're all important, every yeah. one of them. Because if you slip up here, you go back and yeah, then you got to start again. But I think the one for me, what I expected to be the toughest fight against Vladimir Klitschko, he was undefeated in 11 Whoa. years. Like it was one of the easiest fights. So. You freaked him out. That yeah. man freaked yeah. him out. Yeah. Yeah. Freaked yeah. him out by going like that yeah. in yeah. front of him. And he was he was the one in his own backyard used to employ different guys that he could beat up and make him look good But that night. Mentally, yeah. focusing for that fight. He needs some counselling. Yeah, I think he did need a bit of counselling. <laughs> <laughs> but mentally focusing for that fight. Yeah. In training camp, we focused and I was I was training and boxing. Like, if he hits me, yeah. I'm going to get knocked out. And with that fear factor, I went in there and I boxed unbelievable. And I, and I took his best shots. So I was like, is that yeah. it? Is that what you was telling me the whole time I'm going to get knocked out by this guy? Yeah. He can't even hit me. Come on, hit me. So that, that was supposed yeah. to be my hardest fight. Yeah. I prepared mentally and physically and emotionally for that fight like it was going to be hardest. Yeah, yeah. And now I just take it all fun and games now. Mm. I go in there, Frank, and if I take it deadly serious, yeah. I'll have a shit fight. 
guaranteed yeah. 100% I'll have a shit fight if I go in there with the attitude like this is my job I get paid a lot of money to yeah, do this yeah. I'm happy to be here yeah. let's have some fun yeah. then I always perform good you dropped it different on when you went in with Wilder it was different to the back. first fight yeah, 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 yeah. No, the first fight I was boxing slick moving yeah. and dancing around and all that and in round 12 I realised what I had to do in the second fight to beat him I phoned up Sugar Hill Emanuel's nephew and yeah. said look I want a, I want a aggressive style training and yeah. he said I said I want a knockout in this fight I don't want to box I want to go knock him out yeah. and he, he laughed and he said well so do I want to knock him out too yeah. and I think me and him were the only two people who really believed that I was going to knock Wilder out yeah. like, he's as crazy as me I'm crazy yeah, but yeah. he's as crazy as me okay. every bit is crazy yeah. Um, and we worked on, we just went straight back to basics, worked on simple boxing one-two. I, yeah. I went in camp with a clear mind, I left everything in England, yeah. and I went over there, I had my full team out in Vegas for the full duration, and it was a, it was a great camp, it was injury-free, which yeah. is the most important thing. Do you wear a head guard with, when you spar now? Because I remember... For, for that camp I yeah. did, but right. before I never did. Yeah. Sugar Hill insisted I wore a, a head yeah. guard for cuts or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. a really hard camp because I, was, I wasn't allowed to do what I was good at, moving yeah. around and slipping. Right. I had to sort of go forward all the time. So the slayed on him and then he just broke him up. Yeah. yeah, wicked fight. Did he get a cut over his leg uh, on the right? Yeah, yeah, he got yeah, caught. Yeah, yeah. He got smashed to pieces, really, in that second <laughs> fight. It does take different styles for me, different fights. And yeah, you've, yeah. All, you've always been behind me, Frank, in all no, the no, big no, fights. No, no, I always will be behind you, man. You're a good I'd man. I think the best technical advice is to be super fit, super confident. Yeah, I think that's brilliant advice. If you're fit yeah. and you're confident yeah. and you've got a clear mind yeah. and you focus on your training and you focus on your boxing, yeah. Anything else in the, in the world doesn't matter when you're yeah, in training camp for a fight. But nice. not a lot of people can can have that attitude. Because yeah. stuff at home brings into the training yeah, life. Definitely, yeah. And it messes around with them. When I uh, got a big fight coming up, I go into training camp. Yeah. No kids, no wife. Right. Just totally training. Right. I switch my phone off. Yeah. I've got no phone calls. Yeah. I don't want to know what's going on back at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I go in that in training camp, I'm exactly. in a different, different yeah, yeah. mood. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to know about anything other than boxing. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, when you're in camp for a fight, you're focusing, and you're getting phoned up and told about general rubbish yeah, yeah. things at home. Like bulbs going yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need all that. You yeah, just need yeah. clear mm. mind. Yeah. As you know, uh, I suffer badly with depression and anxiety yeah. and all that. So you bite on pipe yeah. as well, so, yeah. yeah. you know what mood swings yeah, like. You yeah, can yeah. be very high one minute yeah. and you low the next thing right. up and down all day. To get up again is very, very hard when you've been low. Yeah, but and if I... people won't understand it, but I understand every word you're saying. And if I take regards. that into training camp, well, I'm in for a tough time. Yeah. But for that last fight, usually my wife Parrish, she comes to the training camps to see me, yeah. to the house, um, maybe have a dinner together, yeah. a bit of training camp food, or the fight week. Mm. But for this one, of all the fights, I just said, look, don't bring her to the house, not interested. Yeah. Keep her away, yeah. stay away. And she was like, she didn't understand it because she'd been to every one of my fight camps, yeah. all the fights. Yeah. Uh, for this one, I really did push the boat out even more. I wouldn't even have her around because I think when you're around a woman, your wife or your partner, whoever it is, you sort of drop your guard from being a fighter Definitely, to being yeah. a husband or a partner, yeah. whoever you are. And there's, there's a negativity in your head. Yeah, and you go, you go from being the animal back mm. to the, a husband, a father, a son, whatever you are. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I refrain from seeing them all and I was just in fight mode. Difficult to you know, people understand what fight mode is. 
fight mode is when you get into the ring and someone's a kill you. Normal people won't understand what we're yeah. saying here. Mm. This is yeah, like foreign definitely. language. Yeah. But when you understand what, what, what it takes and what, what goes into a training camp and how yeah. much you have to sacrifice. I've had a few training camps all over the world. Yeah. I've had them in Vegas. I've even trained in Big Bear, California. Seriously, is that high altitude? High altitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven and a half thousand oh, feet above God. sea level. Yeah. That was difficult. Up there. Yeah. I couldn't breathe. But I had to experience it for myself and a lot of fighters were there and they was all saying they were struggling to breathe. And yeah. I suppose if I was a one pace fighter, yeah, yeah, then yeah. it'd be good. You can but mix it, it up. With me being going up and down the gears all the time, it yeah. wasn't really good for me. So I came back down and I, I trained in Hollywood at Freddie Roach's gym. But the training camp's important because um, there's no distraction from the training camp. When you're a boxer, you've got a sport and you've got a business to run. So you've got to put that aside and focus. For sure. I had a training camp in Springs the health farm, um, Champlis, uh, what their own. Um, I'll go there for three months and it's a nice feeling when you go, shut away from all the stress, feel good within yourself. I've, I've had bipolar since I was about eight. I was a youngster running the streets, doing all different, and rank, running around with a different crowd. And I, I was lucky, I got sent to a ball stool and that ironed out all the creases in me and then I just started boxing. I've got no rhythm, but I had a lot of determination to get where I wanted to go. Um, it happened a little bit later on in my life, but eventually got it. I had um, three attempts at it. I lost to Bunkrusher Smith, I lost to Lennox Lewis, I lost to Mike Tyson, Tim Witherspoon. Um, that was the last saloon, the last chance, and I was desperate. I didn't want the belt to erase it around, I just wanted to just get my name on now as winning the World Championship, and I did. And how did you feel after like after such a long time of, it of trying nice to get a world championship? It was nice to bed and bath and some you know I mean ice on your face and just sunk all in. It always will be in my soul every time I talk about the fight. It does butterflies because the confetti come down. It was yeah. a great night, very brilliant. And did you night. think at home like I'm world champion, world heavyweight champion? Yeah, I, I held it down, but you know, I actually achieved my dream. People. Put, say you can't do this, you can't do that. And I, I eventually done what I had to do and just, I'm part of history, you know? 100%. I think this fight with me and AJ, I think it's the biggest fight since you and Lennox fought all the years ago. bigger than that. What, what, what year was that, 19... I don't uh, even know what year we're 1990, now. <laughs> was it? I think it was 1990, if you yeah, right, yeah. yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really looking forward to a challenge. This might sound strange, but I've been a professional now 13 years, yeah. and I've been traveling the world to find somebody who, who can beat me, basically. Yeah. And I haven't found them yet in 32 fights, so. Yeah. I don't think Joshua should go nowhere near you because you teach him a lesson, you know, boxing lesson. For me, I think the mental health problems are bigger than all of it because it doesn't care who you are. It doesn't matter if you're oh, yeah. a king yeah. or a kid I've or anything. It doesn't care. In the bank, whatever. I've been unwell all my life. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what it was, like you said, but I remember having, like, anxious feelings of being left behind. I didn't know why I was feeling Pins this and way needles. as a little kid. Yeah. And all the way growing up as a, as a young teenager, young adult. Yeah. But I actually didn't get any diagnosis or anything until right. I got to, like, 29 years old. And I just thought it was, like, a normal thing. Like, everyone had these ups and downs, and yeah. I feel like this because... And yeah. Some days I feel like, oh, I don't want to live anymore, but I thought, like, that's normal, but yeah. clearly it's not. <laughs> And when I was like 29, I finally went and saw a doctor about it. And they, they said um, I had bipolar disorder, depression, yeah. and anxiety problems. Did you give you tablets for it? At the beginning, they gave me tablets, and then I kept going back and kept seeing this person and whatever. Yeah. I believe you can never get over mental health, never. Yeah. But you can yeah, learn to right. maintain it. I sort of found my own way through yeah. mental health because what I do, Frank, is I, I use the training 
as a medicine. Yeah. If I don't train for two or three days, get dip. miserable, yeah. Real Snappy. big time. Thank God I'm able to train all the time now. Yeah. Like I say, I come in here and I work out in the morning. Right. I come in in the evening and work out again. Yeah. And then I go to sleep and I just do one day at a time. That's yeah. how I live my life. I don't plan weeks, months, and years right. in advance. Yeah. I just do today, get through today, yeah. then wake up tomorrow, hopefully, mm. and do the same again. Yeah. And as long as I can keep right. releasing that serotonin in the brain, it makes me feel good. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen if I somehow get injured where I can't yeah. train or whatever. Right. I fear those days. Like I really am scared of what what might be around the corner because I know no matter what I've got, how much money I've got, what achievements I've ever done, it can all be taken away from me right, yeah. by mental health problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very hard thing to really put into to words, but you summed it up very well. Despite how tough you are, whoever you are, what you're doing, it can happen to anybody. No, mm. life. How did it affect your family life? It affected my family life in a big way because I, w I weren't the same, you know. When I finished from boxing, that's when George Francis, my trainer, said, that's when the fight starts. You know what I mean? When you finish from training, you're not coming down the gym, you're not keeping up to your routine. Something flips, you know what I mean? You get very vexed or very upset very, very quick and you can be not a nice person to be around. Affected affected my family life a lot. Got yeah. a lot of young kids at home. I got five kids at home Beautiful and one, and one well. on the way. Yeah. Uh, I got a good wife who stuck by me through all yeah. this. And we've been together up m half of my life. I'm 32. I've been with Paris since I've been 16. Wicked. So she's always been around me. She's seen this yeah. for a long period of time. It's not new. It's not yeah. like a couple of years in or whatever. Right. This is 16 years later. Yeah. Um, but she almost knows when I'm not well and she'll say to me, you're going down again, are you? Come come back to us in the living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sort of like snaps me out of it. But mm. there was a time where I didn't understand what I was going through. Before I had all the diagnosis, so I'd just be going out drinking, yeah. taking drugs, staying out for days on yeah, end. Yeah. People won't understand this, but I didn't care about my family when I was at my lowest. Sometimes you, you can't have you don't care about nothing. You, yeah. I, didn't, I just didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, yeah. And if I would have killed myself, which I was about to do at one stage, then how would my kids have survived part without of history, a father man, and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff? And part of I'm so happy that I got mentally well again and I went to seek mental, uh, medical advice. Yeah. Um, and I, the only regret I've ever got in my life, and I'm not a man for regretting things I've done or whatever's happened, even right. the, the highs and lows in my life, right. I don't regret any of it, but it's all a part of experience. But the one thing I do regret is not going to see a doctor 10 years before I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it made me understand what I was going through. Yeah. Then the better I could have uh, started to recover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I'd have done that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had to go through that mental I was breakdown, the same thing meltdown, up. Yeah. I years surrender. later. I'm in the same record as you, if I would have gone a little bit more earlier. But a man's got so much pride yeah. and so much ignorance in him, you know what I mean? That you don't want to go and see nobody, you think that you're night or... And it's all, it's all, it's all a lack of education. Like I don't. I never went to school for yeah. I went to school until I was 10 years old, mm. and then I was working and boxing. Yeah. My family, they're not educated people, they're mm. just normal working people. Yeah. They didn't know what it was. Like, people who I knew were laughing at me and yeah. saying, look at this idiot, he's had the world and chucked it all away. And, and they didn't understand, so I wouldn't talk about it with them people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was like, say, oh, he's an attention seeker. Don't go around him and just stay away from him because he'll bring you down. He's on a sinking ship, abandon him. Whoa. So that's what I was living with. And I thought, I looked in the mirror one day and I thought, you know what, I, can't, I got to change. Mm. I got to change. And I remember, being, I remember Halloween night 2017, mm. I went out and I was going to go out and have a mad drinking session, yeah. probably a big drug bender or whatever I was uh. going to do. 
and I, I, I came to my senses for like 10 seconds and I was drinking this beer and I thought, what am I doing here? I've got to go home, I've got yeah. to change my life. And yeah, I started training every day yeah. and I thought, what made me good in the beginning? Yeah. I'm gonna go back to that, I'm gonna go back to training every yeah. day and eating clean. Training is a endorphin thing and looking after yourself is the most important thing you could do. Just wanna just keep clean and, and keep healthy. properly and healthy and live a life, you know what I mean? But you know, it brings out the the fire in you a little bit, you know what I mean, having bipolar. And I'm trying to understand it, and I still can't understand it. It can take you from your high horse to yeah. nothing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. weakening, it's, it's draining, you know? But I'll tell you what else it does. It does ground you, makes you grounded. It makes you appreciate smaller things like yeah. sanity. Yeah, yeah. It makes you appreciate being alive and just being able to think and not mm -hmm. hear things in your mind or yeah. or not wanting to die every second. I sleep with a... baseball bat. Sometimes I used to sleep with my music on. But now I just keep it quiet and meditate before I go to bed. But I remember when I used to live in Essex, you know, and I got sectioned the first time and I got, I'd done me 28 days and I went down the shop for something and people, when I look in, people going like that, boom, boom, just try, here comes the nutter. You, you were one of the first big stars yeah. in the country ever to really open up about yeah. it, Frank, weren't you? I didn't you? have no choice. <laughs> yeah, and then I was going through similar stuff myself yeah. and I thought, you know what, I'm going to come out with it. And, yeah. and and it's going to be, mine was well documented right the way through it. Yeah, I was watching you, man. I remember one time you put on the wig and you were sitting on the wall. Yeah, um, I just didn't want to and be bothered. Yeah, I didn't want people to talk to me. I just Brave. wanted to be left alone. Yeah. And, Brave, and man. It, I wanted to speak out because I thought, like, I'm feeling like this. There's got to be a lot of normal people out yeah. here in the world yeah. feeling like this. And I think, if I can be heavyweight champion of the world, bring me down like this, yeah. then pe and people can see me get back up after mm. it, then, then they can do the same thing. I must thing. say, your persona, you're relaxing and you're enjoying what you're doing much yeah. more than you have been doing. I know, you know what I mean, your life has changed, but it's changed for the good, and I think you, it's the best I've ever seen you. I feel like now, a lot more people are coming out with the mental yeah. health stuff and it's smashing the stigma for mental health. But the yeah. more people talk about it, the more it will overcome all that. Yeah, definitely. You've got to have someone you can talk to. Years ago, you couldn't talk to nobody because they'd be taking the piss out of you as soon as you go out the room and say, here comes a nutter and whatever. Been through it. Yeah. We've got the T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> While I'm boxing, I'm going to be honest, so I'm going to try and invent something to yeah. cure mental health problems. Yeah, uh, please, uh, uh, please, uh, <laughs> That'd because... be an amazing thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Frank, I just want to say thanks for coming up, and I've enjoyed your company, as always. It's a pleasure meeting you, and sorry if I talk too much, but I had a lot to catch up on. <laughs> no problem, Frank. Thanks for coming. Please, I'll hope to see you again definitely, soon. Please, definitely, Mike. I'll call you Harry Nicks. <laughs> <laughs>
for the highly anticipated third installment for this long-awaited rematch for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World. Presented by Bob Arum's Top Rank Incorporated, Frank Warren, on behalf of Queensberry Promotions, Bomb Squad Promotions, and TGB Promotions, this is a Premier Boxing Champions presentation brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Well, before we bring out our fighters at this time, let's take a closer look at the previous encounters between these two elite giants of the heavyweight division. Championship of the world. This place is absolutely electric. Fury on the attack, going to the head. This is a mauling effort from Fury. He And now here is, ladies and gentlemen, standing at six feet seven inches, the former champion who defended his title 11 times, looking to avenge his only loss and to regain his title from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Here is the former hard-hitting WBC heavyweight champion of the world, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. And now, ladies and gentlemen, standing at six feet, nine inches, his record 30 wins, no losses, one draw with 21 wins, coming by way of knockout from Manchester, England. Here is the acclaimed two-time heavyweight world champion, the current and the undefeated WBC heavyweight champion of the world, the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. the heavyweight championship trilogy fury versus wilder number three t-mobile arena saturday night live on pay-per-view and now ladies and gentlemen my pleasure to introduce the host of our press conference acclaimed sports journalist kate abdo
Thank you all. Deontay, how you doing? Tyson, you want to take a seat? Thanks, Kate. I've been sat down a long time. I'm going to stand up. Do you not own any shirts either? No, I don't. This is the sexy look. <laughs> That's what they say. Deontay, you're making me nervous with the headphones. Are we feeling like talking today? Do us a favor. Okay, cool. Brilliant. Um, listen, you had to go through the courts, right, to get to this moment. What is it that you want to prove in the arena on Saturday night? I don't have nothing to prove. You know, I'm in a great place. I'm in a, a great state of mind, have always been. You know, I got a, a lot of great people around me that's been covering me all this time, you know. Um, it's nothing to prove at all. This right here is uh, redemption, retaliation, retribution, you know, and uh, all of the above. I got you. It's a long way to look up, but you won't you sit down for me? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. All right, okay. Um, so, listen, 20 months, right? It's a long time to stay focused, to, to prove something that you feel that you've already proved, I, I assume. How have you managed to stay motivated during this time? I've just been training there, Kate, you know, taking it day by day, enjoying my life, training for a fight, and that's all we can do. Live every day, one day at a time, and I look forward to today. Because every day we wake up is a blessed day, remember that. Amen, that's true. Um, you, you've had a lot to deal with in the meantime, though, right? Because you had, obviously, you had made the fight with AJ, then you had to deal with scrapping the fight with AJ. You had COVID that you had to deal with. You, your wife has had a baby. Congratulations, by the way. How have you managed to stay dialed in? Or at what point do you think you really got dialed into this fight? All these fights are exactly the same to me. You know, I've got some guy trying to take me head off with punches. Um, no matter if it's Deontay Wilder or whoever it may be, he doesn't really matter to me because... It's a Tyson Fury roadshow, and it's been continuing for 13 years. So I train every day in my life, twice a day mostly. Um, I eat, sleep, train, repeat. Um, you know, I've had a, a few personal problems at home, but, you know, there's always going to be um, some type of problem or hurdle to get over in life. So it's just how we do it, you know. And uh, I had a, a little baby girl who was born um, seven, seven and a half weeks ago, and she was very unwell for a minute or two. And, you know, I was there for two weeks in the hospital with her. Um, and as soon as I, I knew that if I got that hurdle out of the way, then I knew that things would be good and I could concentrate on the fight. And that's what, exactly what I did. Do you feel comfortable being away from home? Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% confident, you know. The baby's 100% at home, everyone's good, family's good. So, you know, daddy's just got to do his job now, that's it. All right, okay. Um, Deontay, we've seen these videos, and I think for fans it's been super exciting, right, to, to watch you look as motivated and as driven and as hungry as you have done. It's been 20 long months, though, right, that you've been waiting for this moment. Have you allowed your, your mind and your body a second to kind of step back at any point during that time? Uh, we've been going from day one since the last outing, you know. Uh, there hasn't been no stop. All the delays and all that, you know, has been uh, beneficial for us. You know, we've been continue to carry on, you know. One thing about this uh, camp that I've had, I've been able to have all my brothers around me from, you know, from the, from the start, and we're here, we're all together now, you know. So I've been talking about the love that's been around me all this time, and it's been real. It's been, it's been amazing for me, you know, when many people thought I was down, depressed, and all that. I can't be. It wouldn't be fair to the people that I have around me to even feel that way. Certain things, I didn't even know what was going on in the world, you know what I mean? 
because of my focus and my de dedication that I've had, you know, and uh, it's just been amazing. Overtraining is a real thing though, right? So have they had to pull you back at times? Overtraining is a real thing. And um, we've been able to, to, we've been able to stop at certain times, take, take breaks certain times and get back at it. You know, certain things, it'll be a little lighter than others, you know, until we were able to get back on track, you know, so uh, everything has been good. We, I think we've timed everything out perfectly. I think we've uh, done all the right things and um, come Saturday night, it's gonna be definitely a different fight, you know, for all the, the fans, you know, they should be excited. You know, it's not rare that we get trilogies like this and uh, I think it's gonna go down in history. We are excited. Um, I think it feels really different coming into this fight than it did coming into the second fight, right? After that first fight, it felt like there was still mutual respect between the two of you. After the second fight, it feels like that has been lost somewhat. Deontay, there were many accusations that you made towards Tyson about reasons that you felt that he had won that fight, ways that you felt that he had cheated. Do you regret any of the accusations that you made towards him? I don't regret it, and I go to my grave believing in what I believe in. I know things for fact. I have confirmation clarity of a lot of things and which you know one thing about it you know men lie women lie but your eyes don't lie what you see you know so many can people can believe what they want we all human we believe what we want but the eyes don't lie and it only made me better as a man as a fighter to understand and to, under, to see certain things and know things for facts you know it made me even hungrier than before uh, God is a great God, and it's, 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 he don't make mistakes. I wouldn't take it back for nothing because I, I, nothing that I've, even the way I felt even coming into the fight, even when the way when he, Chris took the mask off me, how I felt, I wouldn't take it back for nothing. I needed it. It was a blessing in disguise. Tyson, you did accuse you of some of the biggest violations in, in boxing, right? You kind of reacted almost like you don't care, like it just kind of washes off. How do you really feel about it? I don't care because obviously it's coming from an unwell person. Um, he accused me of everything, accused his team, his trainer, the suit, injuries. Um, who else did he accuse? Oh, the Athletic State Commission of Nevada, they were in on it as well, the referee, uh, whoever else. Maybe if he'd come out with one of these excuses, then it would have been believable, but not 50 of them, come on. Um, and he can believe what he wants. What it tells me is that it's a weak, mental little person who I'm going to knock Spark out on Saturday night. Um, I beat him the first time after three years out of the ring. Quite comfortable, actually. He won two rounds of a 12-rounder. I absolutely obliterated him in the rematch. He didn't even win any of the rounds. And in this third fight, I just see much more the same. In fact, he's even copying me. Look, he's got no T-shirt on today. He learned that from me. I'm famous for wearing no shirt at press conferences and having no shirts on. This guy's copying me all the time. And I know it's, it's, I'm an inspiring person and everybody wants to be like T. But you know, it's supposed to be Bronze Bomber. Do your own thing. Stop copying the Gypsy King. And listen, I hope you got your excuse book ready, Dosser. And um, what's he doing here? He should have had the sack as well, JD is. Because if Mark Brillian was doing it, he was in on it as well because he was in the changing rooms. Watch my hands get wrapped. I want to know what you've got to say, JD is. You was there. You won on the conspiracy as well. Uh, we are going to bring trainers up uh, later on. It was actually time. him who take the knuckle dusters on. It was J. Diaz who take the knuckle dusters on me gloves. Deontay. He uh, was there. 
The, um, you clearly believe that these violations truly happened, right? So what you steps... You don't believe that, Kate. Give, give me one second. mind, you don't what, believe what it. What steps have, you, have your team taken to make sure that this is a clean fight, that you guarantee yourself that this time around? We've got a lot of things in line, a lot of things in order. You know, and uh, I think that's just what the world... Uh, only thing they need, that they need to know, you know. There's a lot of things that I can say and, and, and put out there. But, you know, like I've always been since from day one, silence is golden. Do you think you've put yourself under more pressure with all the reasons about why the, the loss in the second fight happened? Do you now feel under more pressure to come out and look spectacular in this third fight? Not at all. When you know the truth, they said the truth will set you free. I, I don't, I, you know, there's no pressure on me. And then when you have nothing to lose, there's no pressure at all. All the pressure is on him. Is that how you feel if you've got nothing to lose in this fight? It's nothing to lose. Nothing to lose and everything to gain. Why do you say nothing to lose? Because I think a lot of people would say that your legacy is potentially on well, the line in this your fight. Legacy is, your legacy only dies when the man dies, when the desire and the fire is out, your heart for the sport or anything that you do in life. When that dies, so does your legacy. And I'm well alive. Amen. Um, uh, listen, you're the only undefeated heavyweight champion that remains of the group, right? Is that pressure for you? I said that you? yesterday. I've come I know, under I heard a lot of scrutiny it. from it all. I've come <laughs> under a lot of pressure because I forgot that Alexander Rusek's been a world champion for five minutes. Forgive me on that one. I do apologise. Oh, apo yeah, you're right. Sorry. Usek. Yeah, 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 just won all bad. the belts. So congratulations to him, by the way. But I was just talking about the group that we were in before Usek even come into the picture. Mm-hmm. Out of all of us from like years gone by, like say the last 10 years, there's only me last man standing. And I'm the one who's had all the problems, all the inactivity, everything. And I'm still here, still undefeated. I'm a lone soldier now. You the last one undefeated. Actually, the, t the first two-time heavyweight champion of the world who never lost a fight. How amazing is that? You have History um... maker, if I was interested in that sort of thing. You've talked a lot about uh, mental health, right? That's something that we've all appreciated you being really open and honest about. Do you feel mel mental pressure coming into a fight like this? And how do you deal with that? What, what do you make sure you have in your surroundings to keep you in the right place mentally? You know, mental health struggles, no joke. You know, it's, um, you can never get over it. It's not if or when, but it, it's not if, but it's definitely when. Mental health will always creep back into your life at some point, and it's a very, very, very dangerous matter. And it's a, it's, it's a global pandemic on its own. Without COVID and all that stuff, the mental health struggle is real. Um, and if you don't keep it at bay and take the right pr uh, procedures to, to handle it, then, then you're going to wind up uh, in a very bad position, like I was at one stage in my life. But I've learned to manage and maintain it all now. And look at me, I'm flying. I'm stood here as a heavyweight champion of the world, WBC, Ring Magazine, lineal champion, undefeated in 30-odd fights, still good-looking, lost me hair, but whatever, still a fine specimen of a man, and uh, still confident as ever, and still on top of the world. So life's good. Life's very good. Very happy. Where are you emotionally, Deontay? Because you're really big on energy, right? What's your energy towards Tyson Fury at this point in time? Um, my energy is like my mind is very violent, you know? So... Uh... I'm just ready to go, October the 9th. You know, we dedicated, I've dedicated my, myself. I devoted my time and my, and my body, uh, me and my team, reinvented. I'm ready to reintroduce myself to the world, you know. Um, 
I've seen you wearing all that gear, which has the Russian slogan on it, right? Which says "Glas za glas," which means "eye for an eye." I think, correct? For sure. What does that mean to you in the context of this fight? Exactly what it means. What, what do you want to repay him with? <laughs> a loss for a loss? Is that is that what you're looking at, or how do you mean it? I'm gonna let you be the judge come Saturday okay. night. All right, fair enough. Listen, I've, I've learned to choose my words wisely. You know, mm -hmm. people always take my words out of context. You know, and that's uh, so why I've been very silent, you know. Like I said, silence is golden. And at this point in time, it's all action for me. Action, action, action. I don't have many words to say, you know. Um, I wasn't planning on even talking today. I was going to have Malik coming up. You. But, you know, I respect you, Kate. Thank you. And uh, I'm just ready to show action. I respect you wanting to show what you want to show in the ring as well. All right, listen, we're going to bring up um, the fighters, trainers, both of them, in just a second. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a short break. Along to the press conference one more time. We've brought in the trainers as promised. So Tyson Fury's trainer, Sugar Hill Stewart, good to see you. And Deontay Wilder's trainer, Malik Scott. Malik, good to see you too. Uh, Malik, talk to me. Uh, Deontay says that you've been able to bring something out of him that nobody else had. Why is that? Um, I, like, I'm a student of the game, obviously. And um, so Deontay, in my opinion, he's ruled, he ruled the heavyweight division, had 10 defenses at that time, and was just using one weapon. And on certain occasions, he'll use two or three. But over the years, being in training camp with him at boxing, I used to always say, when he get into a fight, a lot of those things disappear. And I just never understood why. And it's because he got content with just knocking people out with one weapon, which was the right hand. What I did was I went to his toolbox. I went to his toolbox. I didn't give him the toolbox. I went in and I pulled everything out that I feel as though that he do well. And I made sure we didn't do it from a from a subconscious state or we didn't do it by accident. And the way to make sure it wasn't done from a subconscious state was constantly do it and drill it over and over and over again. And that's what I did. So it, it's not like I gave him a toolbox and I'm teaching him something new. Everything I'm teaching, I may put it in different variations of things to have him throwing combinations. What I don't have Deontay Wilder doing is doing choreographic pad work. What I don't have Deontay Wilder doing is ducking down to the ground like he's fighting, like Pernell Whitaker. He's fighting a tall guy. If a, if a six, seven guy is fighting a six, seven guy, that six, somebody has to get under a hook. I have tons of examples to prove this stuff. So we'll say some people were saying, but why do he have Deontay Wilder ducking under a hook? He's a tall guy. Yeah, he's fighting a taller guy too. I don't want my fighter just catching punches. Fury's a big man, small gloves. Catching punches is damaging too. I don't want my fighter just parrying punches. I want him to be able to slip punches, parry punches. And that's where the five different dimensions thing come from. Deontay Wilder can do it all. And I just pulled a lot of stuff out of him in training camp, and I made sure we drilled them with intent, not from a, uh, from a subconscious space. I hear, I hear you. has been looking great. Um, talk to me, Sugar Hill, because you moved into this uh, relationship with Tyson Fury just before the second fight, right? Took over after that first fight and, and saw obvious opportunity to do something differently going into that second fight and switch up the approach from the first fight. What opportunity do you see going into this trilogy fight to do things differently, if any? Well, um, training Tyson Fury has just been pretty much uh, making him better. He's already been a, an exceptional boxer uh, before I started training him. And just uh, fine-tuning those skills, uh, making sure he understands a little bit more things that maybe he didn't see, uh, allowing him to see those things, but more importantly, just being ready. Um, I feel like 
Tyson Fury being ready is unstoppable. Malika and Deontay talk about each other as, as having a brotherly love relationship, right? What kind of, how would you describe, Tyson, your relationship with Sugar Hill? You got your mic. Yeah, me and Sugar go back a long way, back to like 2010, Detroit City. Um, we've got a great bond going on. And to have any successful relationship, you've got to have good communication. And that's the most important thing in our lives, communicating with each other. And me and Sugar Hill, I've got that. Um, we have this bonded glue where we gel together. We've got similar personalities. Um, it's, it's not easy for me to pick a trainer because I do outlandish things. I'm, I'm outspoken and I do a lot of stuff. And I've got to almost have someone on the same wavelength and personality factor to, to match that in order to be able to train me. And I definitely found a match with, uh, with Sugar Hill here. Is he a lot to deal with, Sugar Hill? No. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Dante, it seems like trust was key for you when you were making the decision in terms of who you wanted to be the head guy in your corner. Uh, where does that trust come from with Malik? And, and has he surprised you with everything else that he's been able to bring to the table for you? I trust my brother uh, with my life as he trusts me with his, you know. I'll give my shirt off my back as he would for me, you know, and that's how it's always been from the first connection. See, when we both, when we both first met, it was just, the energy was just, it, it was connection. It was, it was, uh, you know, sometimes you can meet other humans and you just, your, your energy is just, you just, it just don't mix with each other. And then you can meet others that is just like, damn, where you been all my life? You know what I'm saying? And that's how it was with him. And fun fact, my birthday and his mother lands on the same day. His birthday and my mother's land on the same day. And when I met him, I brought his, well, he brought his family along. We was in camp to see him. And I cooked for them, the Southern hospitality. And we got to know each other even more. Even when we fought each other, it brought us even more closer, more so than ever. And in boxing, um, you need people, you, you, you need people that you can trust in this sport. I mean, this is a money-driven sport. There's so many loopholes and different things that can go in, and, and you just never know who may be jealous, who may be envy you in certain ways, even when you think the ones that really love you or you have them at your dinner table with your children, and they play with your children, you know, and sometimes that's just not the case. But with him, you know, with all these, all my guys, you know, I don't have a big entourage. I don't need so, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's just the love that we have for each other, all of us, that we have Come on, for each get other. Room. So get I, over I think, Malik, one of the things that people have been super interested in is, is watching how much you've been working on, on fundamentals. And that's been something that you guys have, have uh -huh. talked about openly, right? I think people on the back of that really want to know, what does that mean for Deontay Wilder in terms of the way he approaches this fight? Does he come out aggressive? Quickish answer if you can, sorry. Uh, well, when it comes to working with Deontay fundamentals, it was, it, it was easy because the, he have good fundamentals. It's just at times he didn't, a lot of times he didn't use them. So mm -hmm. it's, it goes back to the uh, statement that I'm really just reminding him about so many different tools that he just wasn't using. And we wasn't going to do those things one time on one sparring partner good and then forget about it. No, no, no. We're fighting Tyson Fury. And fighting Tyson Fury, I'm just, he's not just fighting Tyson Fury. I'm going against the intelligent great brain as far as Sugar Hill because Sugar Hill come from the claw. So when I approach a fight, I approach a fight like it's the opponent. Then it's the brain behind the opponent. And that's, that's strong coming from over there. And what that did was it, 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 
it created a fervor, an anger kind of. So when I would do film study and I would have scheduled 10, 12 rounds for him to spar, I'd say, no, we're doing 16 rounds. I'm going to stay up till 5 a.m. to do film study. I'm going to call you at 2 in the morning to get you up. I'm going to make sure Joey Scott is on you about because I know who we're facing. And, uh, and knowing who you're facing and how he's likely going to come out, do you start equally as aggressively? Is that the game plan? Uh, the game plan is we have an answer for anything Tyson Fury do. Anything. Anything. Uh, Tyson is obviously a very confident man, right? But we all know that Deontay Wilder is live in, in any fight. Um, do you have to work to keep his confidence at bay just to make sure that he, he keeps that in check, that Deontay is a dangerous opponent? No, that wouldn't be true. Tyson Fury is uh, he's very conscious of Deontay Wilder, uh, his abilities, as, as well as myself, being conscious of him. And uh, it's just being sharp. It's just staying focused. And it's, uh, it's also just learning learning more you know there's always something to learn in boxing and uh mm -hmm. tyson's taking that very well and he's uh, enjoying learning and having fun with it so having fun and learning and executing and um you know trying to be the best being perfect at what you do um you know that just makes for a better tyson fury and i'm uh, i'm excited for this saturday coming up actually to see what uh deontay and malik's been working on my man malik mm -hmm. and uh you know i'm happy for him and I want to see what they have. I mean, I, I, I know Malik for uh, Malik for a while, and um, you know it's exciting. It's exciting to be in this position. You know, uh, going against Malik, and uh, you know just seeing what we know, where we come from, and uh, put it all to work on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I do believe in what they've been doing and what they've been working on. I've seen some of the clips, and uh, it makes me more excited to get up and to get Tyson going even more, For just real. like myself, since For we're sure. so much similar. And uh, just expecting uh, nothing but the same, but a knockout. I appreciate hearing that respect. Thank you very much. Sugar Hill Stewart, fantastic to have you with us. Malik Scott, also appreciate your time. Uh, listen, we are going to go to a very short break. Both fighters, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, will deliver their closing comments in just a minute. Stay with us. Come back one more time to the press conference. As promised, this is now going to be the opportunity for the fighters to give their final address to the media, to everybody watching, to all the fans out there at home. Deontay, it's the last time that we're going to ask you to do this. I know you particularly are sick of the media this time around. Uh, you can have your opportunity to give your final comments. Uh, one more that I can say that, that hasn't already been said, you know. I just uh, tell you guys to prepare yourself and uh, prepare yourself on the battlefield and get ready for war. Cause this is right here because it's going to be an amazing fight come October the 9th. And uh, as you see, I'm wearing my red outfit, so I want it back in blood. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'll see you guys there. Tyson, you're up. Well, I've got a lot to say, actually. <laughs> um, here's something that I think I need to say. It's like, Wilder said that I only won the second fight because I cheated. But then he goes and changes his whole team and does all this extra training and trains as hard as he's ever trained and bring on all his team and all that. So I ask the question is, if I only won because I cheated, what was the point in changing everything and doing all this other work? Can anybody answer that question? I know he can't, doesn't have the brains to. So no one can answer that question, can they? So the fact that I've egg in your face, bitch, is the word. That's what we say. And here's another one. He says he wants to do bad things to me and hurt me and do all this malice feelings and he's got anger and aggression. Well, 
For those who hold a hot coal with the intentions of throwing it at somebody, guess what? They're the ones who's going to get burnt. I don't want to hurt Deontay Wilder. I just want to beat him in a fight. And he knows what he's saying is lies. And deep down in his soul, he knows that he lost. And he'll lose again. And he lost the first time. He lost the second time. And he's going to lose the third time. And guess what? After this fight, he'll be back working in that fast food chain that he was working at earlier on in his career. Because that's the only place he's going to be welcome. It's easy to answer Retirement for him. It's Retirement dosser. Retirement dosser. The, the answer to your question is why you changed for the first and second. No, that ain't the answer to the question. That's another question. So that's not an answer. If I only won because I cheated, why do all this extra training? Why you because change, obviously, why you, change the obviously you can beat me you with the old the training you were doing as long as I didn't so cheat. So ask yourself that question. you got to ask yourself the question. If I've done all this cheating, I see nervous energy. Yeah, then why has he not prepared himself? He hasn't done any extra steps at all to stop me from cheating why you explain, again. Why you explain yourself? I'm not explaining myself. I'm asking you, you the question. You haven't denied any what allegations have you done? to this point. I don't need to deny it because it's you true. You know what I'm saying? You it's haven't denied any I allegations. I had no on. I had a You don't even want certain media in here to give all you the tough questions. You have it. nobody to give you the tough questions. And there's nobody in here that can me? ask me a tough question. So when it's like You're that, in denial and you're getting knocked out. Let's make it happen. And you're going to retire. You, you retire. Can't. You don't know nothing about knocking no one out. Do yourself a favor. You don't have and knockout retire. power. Your legacy's in bits. Even in, even in my all worst, excuses, even in my worst even all time, the you still, you've you been still hit like a bitch. I didn't no feel nothing. No one's even believed you. I didn't feel They're anything. You were wondering like why I kept getting up and getting up. Because I didn't feel nothing. You have no power. You're not a knockout artist. Well, I'm not you out in that, Dosser. Nah, I went out on my feet. That's a knockout. I had a trainer to throw the towel in. And guess what? When someone throw the towel in after the boss tell them not to do, the employee get fired. Yeah, but you said I had knuckle dusters on. JD is in the room while I had the fucking gloves on. Why didn't he say something then? He's in on it too. Don't worry about him. He's in on it. Don't worry about him. I handle my team like I handle my team. You handle yours like you handle yours. You're a weak man. You get knocked out. Thank you. Off. Thank you. I'm the only one that defended my title ten times. I, I go don't down need to. I don't need to defend six. titles. How many times That's have you defended? Like you. Dosters times? like you. Dosters like you defend them. I don't need to. I've never had to cheat in years. I've come here representing WBC. You look up your WBC history today. and you look up my You've history, like Trump which I advise everyone to do their homework. Dressed as me on a training day. You look up you and you look up me. I'm a nun in this sport, baby. You ain't I don't nothing. have to cheat. You will only ever be remembered for Robin Tyson Fury in Los Angeles. I don't have to stick shit up my ass to make me feel a certain type of way. That's your legacy. I don't have to use certain things. I don't have to manipulate my gloves. I don't have to do those things. You have to do it all. You have to do it all. So at night when I look into the mirror, and you're being trained by a loser, so I make two losers. And you're going to get knocked out on Saturday night. No problem. I don't feel you because you're a lying little dosser. And if I don't another gloves under my life, I'm good. That's the difference between me and you. I don't have to fire another day in my life. Doesn't matter. I'm good. Because your legacy's already finished. I'm good. All the excuses. I'm good. How, you've been can done. you say the same thing? You've been done. Finished. Can you've you say beat. the same thing? You've been beat. You've been so humiliated. And you've been busted. And let's End get off. Ready. End let's off. Go. And that's it. And there's no one Nervous in here energy. can accept the fact that this little pussy got his ass handed to him, not once, but twice, and he can't do nothing about I accept, it! Because he ain't I, fucking man enough! I accept That's why! It. I accept. With, uh, the, look. Tell him what to say, Shelley. Come on. <laughs>
tell him what to say. It's when fine. When I was in the condition I was in, I could have I I stopped the fight. I could have went back to the, my corner. But you know what? I'm a king. I'm a warrior. I you accepted didn't look the like a king when you was getting fucked up in that corner. I accepted what I was going through to still fight you. Yeah, you look like a dosser. You didn't look like a king. And you still I look like knock king, me me. Out. You still you look like do a dosser. But guess what? If you look like a dosser and I look like the king. And you was in the situation when I was in. When you was in that corner getting your head punched on. Your trainer, Jake Diaz. Someone please go He done everything for Mark Breland. He saved your life that night. Don't know. You didn't want to sacrifice You wanted to give him a pay rise. Give me one second. Give me one second. Both of y'all. Give me one second. Give me one second. He needed a pay rise. He saved your life. I don't know how wise this is, but we are going to ask you to face off because we're running out of time on the live show. Tyson. That's why I do the things outside of the ring. Tyson. My family have an understanding. My children have an understanding that daddy has a dangerous job. You know, there's no other sport in this world that have that have t collected as many lives as boxing. Amen so to I that. Understand what I'm going through. And so we respect both of you for those reasons. Can I ask we both do. of you I don't respect to stand up? Deontay, will you do us a favor? Can you stand up? We're going to do a face-off one final time. We have a huge show coming up for you on Saturday night. Massive respect. No, we're not going to do. I apologize. No. Bob Byron says no. Bob Aram says no. All right, we're going to leave it there. Listen, we do have a television show still coming up. Deontay, I appreciate you. Thank you very much, sir. It was good to see you. God bless you. Tyson, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. It was good to see you, mate. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good one. God bless you. That is the end of the show, everybody. Listen, we are going to send you back up to um, Andre Ward and Sean Porter, who are standing by and going to continue to give some analysis on everything that we just saw. Appreciate you all joining us and stick with us for the rest of the television show. Thanks a lot. After I've annihilated the dosser again. He's a shit house. He wouldn't even face me. A shit house like you, Dosser! Oh, you had to pull it up? Oh, damn, bro.